Father and King of glory, we want to bless you for loving us and for being there for us in every situation. We want to thank you, Lord, for your marvelous, wonderful, redeeming, powerful, everlasting and eternal covenant of blood lord that was shared at calvary that blood that set us free my heavenly savior we want to pray that we shall know that we are purchased with your precious blood with an indelible covenant or king of glory that blood that is priceless that cannot be compared to anything else and father our prayer is that we shall walk in accordance with your power and glory and we shall desire to live for your glory wherever we go that we shall be reminded of this one fact that we are bought with precious blood and therefore we are precious, priceless, even as we walk, O King of Majesty. We bless you, Lord, because of who you are. We worship you because of who you are. In Jesus' mighty name, we have prayed and believed. Amen. Amen. Glory, glory, glory. On our third day of 40 in our Lent season in this year, 2022. My name is your servant, David Kagwa, that is reaching you with the gospel of Christ without borders. Friends, they are precious things in life and their treasures that we 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 highly you know value in our lives for example you're going to look at particular people that have particular types of cars they may have a fleet of cars but they are particular cars that are earmarked for special functions they are cars that are very very expensive for example these lamborghinis they are types of mercedes benzes that are very expensive you you do not take a lamborghini to fetch firewood <laughs> you don't. You don't take a Lamborghini uh, to, to, fake, uh, to fetch ch chanko or carry fertilizer, cow dung to, to your garden. You don't. You're going to find another type of car, um, won't you? That is exactly what it is. But friends, I want to tell you that our lives are more precious than Lamborghinis and you cannot compare them to anything else in life. And that is why Jesus says in Matthew 16, 26, for what shall it profit a man if he shall have the whole world and lose his own soul? You see that? In other words, if you got the entire world and compared it to a single human soul, they it cannot meet at the value or the price. Praise the Lord. And uh, today we are doing our third day in our forty day uh, 2022 uh, sold out to Christ um, fasting series. And that is what we are doing. Today our theme is entitled The Price of Our Redemption. The Price of Our Redemption. That is our theme that we have today. And our passage of focus is in First Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 17 to 19. First Peter chapter 1 verse 17 to 19. And it says, if you address as father the one who impartially judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves in fear during the time of your stay on earth, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your futile way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ, hallelujah. And uh, that is what we have uh, this morning, my dear friend. Today we are looking at the price of our redemption. And friends, the intention is that as we pursue Christ in our fasting in this Lent season, uh, we shall get to refocus our way of life in the way that we are walking Knowing that we are purchased with pressure, the precious blood of Christ means that you're going to change the way that you live because you're precious. Some of us treat ourselves like, you know, common folk. You're not common folk. You're not, uh, you know, just 
common stuff, common merchandise. You're, you know, purchased with this expensive, precious, priceless blood of Christ. And therefore, that means you're priceless as well. And there are certain things that, sh- that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, this epistle of Peter was written by St. Peter to um, the church in those days um, under intense fire and persecution uh, during the days of um, those emperors that were persecuting believers and they were scattered all over Cappadocia, Pontus and all those places, you know, and uh, it was important to encourage them. And so Peter wrote to encourage them and tell them, you know what, even when you're scattered all over, even when you're being persecuted, it is imperative that you keep walking for the glory of the Lord, that you keep living for the glory of the Lord. Walk a life that glorifies the Lord. That is what he meant. Just like you are walking in uh, our generation today, you have challenges here and there, you have temptation here and there, private and public temptation. In the same way, God is calling us in this Lent season to live a life that honors him, knowing that we were not purchased with perishable stuff like gold and silver. Praise the Lord. So that is what we are going to look at. Now, briefly, I have about three points to make here. The first one is that we are, you're precious because we are bought with precious with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. And then um, secondly, <clears throat> I also revealed to you that it was a painful, painful transaction that Christ did. And therefore, you ought to live in a way that honors him. One, you were bought with the precious blood of Christ. Two, it was a painful transaction. And three, you ought to live in honor of that transaction. You ought to live a life that honors the Lord as you walk in this land season. Friends, the voice that I heard in preparation of this message was that we need to examine ourselves and see how we are walking below the bar, below the standard, so that you'll pull up and get out of that kind of situation and get to walk away in a way that, you know, glorifies the Lord. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, the Lord has told us here in First Peter that we are bought with this precious blood. But you won't understand this. First of all, um, if you don't get to understand why did it have to be blood and only the blood of Christ that had to do this transaction. Why? When you go to um, Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22, you get to realize that there is no redemption without the shedding of blood. And uh, in Hebrews 9.22, the word of the Lord teaches and says, in according to the law, pointing to the Old Testament, or pointing to um, the initial, uh, the first covenant, one may almost say all things are cleansed with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You hear that? Um, the writer of Hebrews was doing an exposition of um, the, 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 the new covenant, um, it being above the old covenant or Moses' covenant at Sinai. He was doing that exposition. And uh, therefore he quotes uh, the, the first covenant there and he says, it is impossible for you to be redeemed or to be forgiven um, without the shedding of blood. But eventually he will get to Hebrews 10 and he will tell you that it is impossible for you to be eternally redeemed with the blood of, of, of God's and, and cows and lambs and, and, and those kind of things. So that, that was what he meant there. In other words, he was saying that whatever was done initially in the first covenant was something that was pointing to the ultimate and absolute redemption that was going to come through Christ Jesus. Uh, you see that? Why did we have to have the shedding of blood? Now, this is a fact that we can find in Leviticus 
uh, chapter 17 and verse 11. Now initially after the sin of man, man was meant to die in accordance with the teaching of the Lord in Romans chapter 3 and verse 23, when he says that all um, are sinned and fall short of the glory of the Lord. And then he later says that in Romans 6, 23, that the wages of death is what? Or the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through who? Christ Jesus. Are you seeing the complete equation? So the wages of, of sin is death, and he's speaking of eternal death. Now, but because of the love of God, God chose not to annihilate man. God chose not to kill man eternally. And um, he went right ahead and uh, he made a plan of redemption. And um, what was that plan going to be? Let us first of all look at um, Leviticus chapter 17 so we can be able to see the perspective of redemption coming by way of shedding of blood. Why blood? Leviticus 17, 11 answers this question and answers it ably so. Leviticus 17, 11 says, For the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls. You hear that? For it is it is the blood, it is the blood by reason of the life that makes atonement. Beautiful. I think we can see that. The life of man is in the blood. And therefore, if man is going to die, it has gotten to be blood that is shed. That is why you hear people often, as an euphemism for death, you hear people say that, look at innocent blood being shed. You see that? So, um, when man dies, it is blood that is shed, ideally. When we speak of death, we are speaking of shedding of blood. Because the life of flesh is in the blood. And so God is saying here that I've given you the flesh, pointing to the flesh of animals, goats, lambs, cows, you know, to be an atonement. Atonement is a theological term that means the sin or your offense is passing from you to that particular animal. You understand that? Yes. So that is what he meant. After man had sinned, this is what happened. Man should have died, but now God made a remedy but a temporary remedy per se which was pointing to a perfect permanent remedy in christ jesus i think you can get that in hebrews chapter uh, 10 and verse 4 you get to realize that the remedy of animals was not a permanent one it was a temporary remedy and that is what he teaches and he says this was surely not going to be a permanent solution to this problem but it was a mere pointer or a precursor uh, you know a, 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 a uh, you know, a, a desert, you know, to the main cause, which was uh, Jesus Christ. In verse 4, the word of the Lord teaches in Hebrews 10, and it says, For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when he comes, pointing to Christ, into the world. He says, Sacrifice and offering you've not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In all burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, you've taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I've come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me to do all your will. You see that? So it is Christ that comes and takes away the sins of the world. You know why? When man sinned, 
it meant that man was invalid in terms of life he was going to die and indeed he started dying physically and also he died in the spirit and except if god had intervened it would have been an eternal annihilation and death there would have been no man but god in his love he said i'm not going to do this now remember in the old testament principle of an eye for an eye um, an animal would ultimately not have saved man no way it had to be man for man but there was no man that was perfect in another principle of old testament sacrifice um the sacrifice had to be perfect without defect but now look the sacrifice that any man could have offered to die for others wouldn't have been acceptable and was totally unacceptable why because all had sinned and continued to fall short over the glory of the lord so man could die yes but man was imperfect was sinful and therefore he could not atone for his own sin you see now there was one solution the solution was going to be god why because god was perfect and still is perfect but the problem to this solution was that god could not die why because god is eternal by nature <laughs> and two god is spirit you see spirits don't die you understand that so god had to find a solution by merging his holiness and eternity with the ability of man to die and what was the solution the solution was that god was going to create a man god was going to produce a man yeah because christ was not created god was going to produce a man you know without sin how was that going to be done by getting a man and a woman together you're basically bringing forth a sinful being this is what david says in psalm 51 and he says in sin did my mother beget me you understand that in in, in Acts 17 26 teaches that all of us were begotten of who adam all of us came through one man called adam and god determined the places where we're going to sit romans 5 12 teaches that uh, just like um through one man sin came into the world and therefore death now for god to bypass that particular provision he made it possible because he's god everything is possible with him he made it possible for a woman and a virgin at that to be able to beget a man you know by the power of the holy spirit you see that therefore meant that it was possible for christ to be born without sin this is why he teaches in john and he says you're from below and i'm from above hallelujah now we are the perfect solution to the conundrum of um, getting a perfect sacrifice for the redemption of man how the eternal perfect god came and was merged with a human body without sin why because it was begotten of the spirit of god he was begotten of the spirit of god you see that now this means that we had a holy perfect god who was above death taking on a human body which was without sin that could die but god had power over death solution begotten god here perfect that is why you and me when we come to god in faith we can have our lives saved hallelujah that is the thing that i've been struggling with and this is the very reason when john the baptist one day saw jesus christ in john 129 he says the next day he saw jesus coming to him and 
said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Meaning, just like uh, the sacrificial lamb or animal on the day of atonement, just like we see it in the Old Testament, it was basically pointing to Christ. This is why later, um, when we speak of the day of atonement as one of the feasts of the Jews, it is basically pointing to Christ. And friends, this is where the solution is. Now, what point am I making? The point I'm making is this. Jesus Christ had to die, and when he died, he had to shed that precious blood. And we've explained why it had to be blood and perfect blood and not any other blood but the blood of Christ himself. You see, God-man, God made with man to make God-man for the redemption of man. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now next, you're going to understand that the pain, that the death that Jesus Christ died was a painful death. It was a terribly painful death, such a death that you cannot compare to anything that has ever lived or that has ever happened down here on earth. Friends, I want to give you a bit of my testimony. I walked in terrible, terrible sin, deep incessant sin, in pornography and masturbation for years, and I was in church. But friends, I want to tell you, this is something that evoked a lot of condemnation in my life. Friends, let me tell you, sin has a lot of pain that it breeds in one's life. I don't know about you, but I suffer terrible pain to the point that I wanted to commit suicide. I came to church, I ministered, but let me tell you, I was struggling with sin. God has crafted you such that your inner man can experience pain. He surely can experience pain. You see, he is an he is a living person he's an emotional person in there for this matter paul screams out in romans 7 and he says war is me for I, 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 i'm a sinful man who shall save me out of this body of sin you see that sin is painful this is the very reason this man Judas iscariot ended up going into a want going into uh you, you, you know um committing suicide in matthew 27 3 because of this condemnation this is why when the spirit of god comes he convicts us of sin he doesn't condemn us he doesn't every time you feel that you're under condemnation just know that you're under the attack of the devil and the enemy god doesn't want you to die in your sin that is the very reason he says in romans 8 1 that there is now no condemnation upon those who are in christ jesus so this kind of condemnation breeds a lot of pain such pain that you can't explain to anyone it is something that you feel within you this is the kind of pain that i experienced and because of that i was going to commit suicide only that the lord intervened by his power and his majesty praise the lord now uh, there is something that i want to show you in uh, um second Corinthians chapter 7 i want to talk about this sorrow that breeds death and then i'll connect it with the sort of pain that christ experienced in his life and then i'll connect that with the kind of life that we are meant to live having been redeemed through that kind of pain in second Corinthians chapter uh, 7 and verse 8 the word of the Lord teaches and says, For though I caused you sorrow by my letter, I don't regret it. Though I did regret it. For I see that that letter caused you sorrow, though only for a while. I now rejoice, not that you were made sorrowful, but that you made that you were made sorrowful to the point of repentance. For you were made sorrowful according to the will of God, so that you might not suffer loss in anything through us. For the sorrow that is according to the will of God produces repentance, you hear that, without regret. 
ending to salvation. But, that is the point I'm making, but the sorrow of the world produces death. That is what I'm talking about. The sorrow of the world, in other words, that word world there means the sinful evil system of the world. The sorrow of the world causes what? Death. The sorrow of sin, in other words, it causes death, my dear friend. Now, I want you to know that when Jesus Christ went to the cross, this is the sort of sorrow that the Lord released upon him. This is the sort of pain that God released upon him. It pleased the Father to release the pain and the, his entire wrath upon Christ Jesus, so that you and me would be saved by faith. I find only two scriptures in the Bible that can explain the sort of pain, excruciating pain, that our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ had to experience or undergo on the cross. The first scripture is in Isaiah chapter 53. Let me take it from verse 3 so you can just get to understand the sort of price that Christ paid for you so you will also later understand the demand that it places upon our lives in terms of the sort of life that we are meant to live down here on earth. Isaiah 53, 3 says, He was despised and forsaken of men, a man of sorrows, oh dear, and acquainted with grief, and like one from whom men hide their face, he was despised and we did not esteem him. In verse 4 he says, Surely your griefs he himself bore, and our sorrows he carried. Yet we ourselves esteemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Oh dear, you hear that? Verse 5, But he was pierced through for our transgressions. He was Christ for our iniquities. The chastening of our well-being fell upon him, and by his scourging we are healed. All of us like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of our soul to fall on him. First 10, but the Lord was pleased to crush him, listen to that, putting him to grief. If he would render himself as a guilt offering, he will see his offspring. He will prolong his days and the good pleasure of the Lord will prosper in his hand. You hear that? The Lord finally is rendered as a gift offering for us, meaning the other things were pointing unto him. The initial Old Testament sacrifices were pointing to him as an ultimate and absolute sacrifice that would atone for our sinful lives. You see that as long as we go to him in faith, this kind of description here speaks of an in-depth, terrible pain that he had to endure uh, in order to release this uh, forgiveness upon our lives. Friend, if you go to Matthew chapter 27 and verse 46, you get to understand the kind of pain that Jesus Christ went through as he speaks and he says in verse 46 of Matthew chapter 27, he says, about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Friend, that was terrible pain. And the Lord for a moment, you know, released this terrible pain and suffering and wrath upon him. That is what he did, my dear friend. That is what he did. Now, this is why Peter teaches and he says, now that we know that we've been redeemed with this sort of pain, with this sort of precious blood, that is why he calls that blood precious. Now that we know, and now that we know that he's going to come back and judge the world, how ought we to live down here on earth? Friends, you were bought with precious blood, very precious in first in in first corinthians 6 19 he says you're not your own 
I have a song that is called You Own Me Twice. You know, do you know why he owns you twice? He created you first of all, and then we sinned. Then secondly, we, we when we sinned, he, he sent his son, and then he redeemed us. When we come to him by faith, it's like a secondary creation. That is why he calls you a new being. So he owns us twice. He owns us twice. Now, if you're doubly his, I mean, what right do we have to do our own stuff? You hear people say, I do what I like. I pursue my will. Really? You find someone walking and the boobs are out and the thighs are out. Beautiful young ladies. And they are saying, you know, and you say, you're, you're, you're shaking what your mama gave you. You cannot shake what your mama gave you because your mama gave you nothing. Your mama gave you nothing. Everything was given to you by the Lord. And you ought to walk in honor of his name. Why? He owns us twice. You see that? In this Lent season, as we fast and dedicate ourselves unto the Lord, we ought to examine ourselves and tell him, Dear Daddy, may you examine me. May you do, my heavenly Savior, a heart transplant and give me a new heart. Take away this heart of stone and give me a new heart of flesh, a submissive heart before you. Friend, if you're struggling with a habit, these are things that we do in our privacy. These are things that we do away from people, from the public eye. But let me tell you, the Lord watches. There are things that you may even be doing and you don't want to do them. Look here, in this prayer and fasting season, you can surely turn to the Lord and tell him, you know what, Daddy, I'm tired. I want to drop this because you're precious. You were bought with a precious price, precious blood. And so we are surrendering to him. All these evil deals that we are doing to get money, this is the time to drop them. All these people that we hate, this is the time to, you know, go back into reconciliation. All this money that we've taken and we've not paid up, all the things that we've taken from offices, from wherever we're working, and we've not returned them. We ought to return them. This is the time to get right with the Lord. And not just in this time, but also beyond it. It is simply setting what a standard. Praise the Lord. Friends, this is what it is that the Lord had to say today. You're bought with the precious, precious blood. And therefore, God wants us to live in his honor and glory. Uh, and he says that uh, if we don't turn to him in Revelation 14, 10, that people that shall worship uh, the, the beast and have the mark of the beast upon them, he's going to let them um, drink of the full wrath of, uh, of the cup of God. You don't want to do that, friend. You want to submit to the Lord. Drop all that stuff. It may appear like, it may feel like it's pleasurable and treasurable for a time, but let me tell you, um, in the end, this is something that you're not going to be able to withstand. If you don't know Christ personally, just tell him, dear Lord, I surrender to you today. Take my life. Give me your life. Give me your, your, your son as a savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I declare that I'm born again today. And I'm going to believe into your honor and glory. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, Lord, to cleanse me in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you.